We're going to have a little chat today, take your call, see what's on your mind. I'm very interested in knowing what you guys thought about uh, Tulsi Gabbard and some of her comments from last week. Uh, really uh, got a few things on my mind in terms of uh, China and its lockdowns and what the implications are that for the policy of lockdowns generally and what we all think about that. But uh, really, I just want your thoughts today. So we'll be taking calls. I'll be over at Twitter Spaces to pick you up. And let's get right to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. And welcome, everybody. Again, uh, here we are. I think uh, it's interesting, and Suzanne, I don't know about how you feel, but I feel actually more jet lag today than I did last Friday, which is really? odd and weird. I don't know why that is, but there we are. I'm better today. Uh, I am not. I, I don't know what that is. So if I glitch or if I have trouble concentrating or <laughs> I seem like I'm losing my way, the, there's an explanation for you it. You can't blame COVID this time. I, no, I can't blame COVID. So we'll be here today, tomorrow, and Wednesday this week. Um, we have confirmed on Wednesday Dr. Ryan Cole with Dr. Kelly. Uh, and then next week, I think we have the Florida – is that true? Yes, Joe Lapido, the – Florida, there he is, Surgeon General, interested in talking to that guy and hearing what he thinks about some of the choices he made and some of the heat he has been under for having made some good choices. And, you know, it, it's talking to Tulsi Gabbard, if anything, taught me one thing about some of the social media environments, which is that there are clearly people out there just raising hell, uh, whether they're bots or whether it's foreign agencies. I, I don't know what it is. But when, when I had the chance to talk to Tulsi about the World Economic Forum and her lack of involvement with them and the, why she had been even thought of as part of that organization, she had a perfectly reasonable explanation. She's an honest person. Uh, I don't understand this immediate run to call everybody a liar. If everybody's a liar, then good luck to you because you're not going to be able to trust or listen to anybody. It doesn't seem like a very productive sort of life. But I would judge Tulsi Gabbard to be a honest person. She gave her explanation, and there's armies of bots out there immediately sort of taking issue with it and sort of undermining what she said. And I thought, boy, that is familiar to me. There is so much that um, I experience on Twitter in terms of the kinds of feedback. Like, for instance, I put up uh, a tweet just last night where somebody was saying, oh my goodness, it's going to be so sad. We have, we've called an end to a pandemic and people are getting on with their lives, but 2,600 people are going to die next week. And I thought, yeah, it is sad. It's sad that we're biological. It's sad that we have lots of things that kill us. And I just reposted that and said, look, it's sad, not only that, that the it's going to take its place alongside the usual causes of death. 11,000 people are going to die next week due to cancer. These are I, I rounded down, by the way, in all this data. 11,000 from heart disease, 9,000 from stroke, thousands from what were some of the other things I put up there. But the point is there are 60, 50, 60,000 people are going to die next week of medical conditions. Why we have singled out infectious disease 
to become hysterical about is sort of odd to me. We know that locking down doesn't work. Look at China. Look at what's going on there. This is a government that has a history of having no difficulty displacing millions of people. That's how it was founded. It's one of its founding operations, killed millions, displaced millions. And now they've adopted that policy to their their attempts at containment of respiratory viruses that anyone who studied infectious diseases and who has looked at this pandemic, has looked at what we have done, and looked at what various countries have done, can say very clearly, there's no way, oh, there's what I said up there, 1,900 due to drug overdoses, 3,800 due to accidents. Just drug overdoses and accidents, you're going to have over 5,500 people dying next week. So why don't we, that's double the COVID deaths. Why don't we focus on that and have a complete meltdown about the fact that 2,800 people are, 3,800 people are going to die of unintended accidents. Most of those young, 1,900 drug overdoses, most of those young, we should be exercised about that if we're going to be exercised about 2,600 COVID cases. Not to minimize how sad 2,600 COVID deaths are. It is. But we've chosen to pri to privilege infectious disease over all other medical conditions. And these horrific measures, i.e. lockdowns, that you're seeing literally people being burned to death in buildings. Did you see that, Susan? Where people were locked in from the outside, there was a fire, and they all died in a building fire. Young people, again, young healthy Ugh. people, killed as opposed to COVID, which kills, kills mostly elderly and infirm. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be protected. They should be focused protection on those folks. But to lock everybody down with the faulty notion that somehow you're going to control a respiratory virus is just deeply flawed. It doesn't work like that. Now, when you look back at sort of our policies of you know, safety uberalis as we rush to a vaccine, that actually looks more sane to me now looking at China than just the lockdown safety uberalis with no plan. This is, uh, is this here or is this uh, in China? This is the uh, current sure information in on daily new confirmed COVID-19 cases per million in China. Look at that yeah, line that close like to the end there, even after 2020. Yeah, that's right. And I've uh, read some threads where people are concerned that uh, Omicron, because there's really no good immunity amongst Chinese, that Omicron may have a more serious effect on them. Maybe, I'm not sure. Um, you could argue that they did perhaps escape some of the worst of Alpha and Delta. Interesting. They might. Because they quarantined? Because of the way they quarantined the things. But also there's so many people in China, too. Meaning, and they and they live in very close proximity to, to one another. Just you can't control a respiratory virus like this. It, it's it, when this whole But locking it down isn't necessarily going to make it slow down, right? It'll it might slow down, but it's going to come. If there in other words, if this if COVID was going to do a million cause a million deaths, it was going to cause a million deaths. The time frame could be altered a little bit, but a million deaths was going to happen almost no matter what we did, unless we did a really great job of focused protection of the people that were most likely to die. Trying to protect the entire population clearly was a fool's errand, clearly didn't work. And it's hard for me to understand why we are even discussing the possibility of these things. School closure didn't work didn't have any real effect. Masking children didn't have any real effect. It's hard to understand. Again, if it did have measurable effect, I'd be all for it, right? I mean, just look at what's going on in China. Just look at that. That's 
That was the yeah. model. We now know Dr. Fauci was was interviewed on the record under oath that one of his cohorts went to China, came back, was lied to and distorted and given a lot of faulty information by the Chinese government, came home and said, we have to do the same thing, told the Italian colleagues, we have to do the same thing. This is the, this is the way to do this. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. Yeah. It was a terrible mistake. I understand why they made it. It was a mistake. Let's just call it what it was. You do? And what? You understand why they did it? They were in a panic, and they listened, They believed the people they were talking to, and they, I think they felt they didn't have much other options. And, and I see the, the rush, not the rush, to the absolute desire to get to vaccine. That, you know, with, with China right now, there's no end in sight, right? There's, what, they're going to lock down until COVID completely goes away. Yeah. No, that's never going to happen. They lock employees inside their businesses. <laughs> they yeah, don't yeah. let them out. Well, now they have these phone mechanisms that if you switch to a yellow card, it's almost like soccer, you no longer can go into businesses or your or your home. And so homelessness now is exploding uh, oh in China. God. So I haven't really looked into it. I just was looking at my stocks and heard about the um, the crash today and and what was going on economically. And I just think that they're causing more world trouble with this kind of behavior. Well, certainly the, to the extent that the world is dependent on the Chinese economy and, and manufacturing. But but look, the point is that you see their history. They have no problem moving millions of people around, come what may. That's what their history has been. And now they're doing that again. They don't have a problem with that kind of thing. In this country, I like to think we are horrified at such a thing. And we would never contemplate it. And the fact that it happened here should give us pause, especially without any evidence, any scientific backing, and now a track record where it very clearly did not work. And to cling to these things as opposed to do a post-mortem analysis on what went wrong and what we might have done, done better is just, it's, it's so confusing to me. I wish I could understand it. Similarly, uh, the, the lack of willingness to talk about some of the questions about vaccine therapy, right? And so I saw Dr. Jaw, who is one of the federal officials in the, in the I think the CDC is where he is, and a very well-trained guy, knows what he's talking about. And he is just sticking with the vaccine for everybody policy. And I, and then he says anyone else is just sort of a, a, you know, a, what do you call him? Some dude, just some dude on Twitter. And my question is, why, what are we doing, say, with a 25-year-old male who has essentially zero, just, let's just take a 25-year-old male. 25-year-old male has almost zero risk of severe COVID. The vaccine will not prevent infection with COVID. The vaccine will not prevent that 25-year-old from spreading COVID. This is the piece that people seem to miss. They just can't seem to get that through their head. Um, and there's a real incidence of myocarditis and supraventricular arrhythmias seems seems relatively reversible, seems like it's going to turn out okay, but these are healthy people with no risk that we make sick. Why are we doing that? That that what should be the discussion. They never they never talk about it. They just say do it. There's, in fact, this guy was saying, what do your doctors say all the time? To listen to your doctors. They're I thought no pediatricians are not demanding people get vaccinated with COVID. They're Adolescents are being sort of reasoned, they're going to give in, you know, options. They're not being sort of, again, mandated to vaccine. And the same thing is, confuses me about, about the masks. Uh, here's what we know about masks for sure. Cloth masks don't work. Surgical masks don't work. 
surgical masks are designed to keep mouth bacteria from falling into somebody's abdomen when it's open in surgery or what other, other soft tissue might be open to the world. You don't want mouth bacteria falling in. You don't want spit going in. That would cause horrific infection. Not viral infection, bacterial infection. So what do we do in a care of a patient that has severe tuberculosis or infectious viral illness, something like that, some respiratory uh, illness? We wear N95 masks from the moment we are exposed to that patient until we are no longer exposed. You don't take it off to eat. You don't take it off, you know, for a trail mix, you know, while you're on the plane. But, uh, there it is. Cloth masks do not work. No, as effectively as other masks. The, the cloth masks do not work. That's Even that headline is bizarre. When is that from, Caleb? Uh, wait, let me check. It's the it's it's a New York Times. Probably 2020 post. or something. But the, it, 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 they don't work. It, January 14th. Well, they, don't, they don't work. And surgical masks don't work. It took them a while. N95s do work. N95s do work. If you'd like to protect yourself, you don't protect other people with an N95. People wear these cloth talisman as though they're you know signaling how great they are to protect the world <laughs> you don't flowers on them you but... don't protect the world with a mask you don't protect anybody yeah. you can protect yourself i found it interesting that we went to like nine different cities in three different countries yep. and then we jumped on a subway and everybody wore a mask on there in spain but mm. but not everybody by all the way. six of us came home and did not get covid shocking yeah yeah i was expecting one of us to at least come home sick yeah or even anything, a cold or something. Right. Usually that'd be the case. We were right? fine. We were in a cruise with a bunch of people. They didn't COVID test us this time. They they'd had a COVID. Us... They'd had a COVID outbreak on that ship. Yeah, but fair. only one couple, and they it was they they stayed there for like four months. No, 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 no. They there got was, it there twice. Were, I know, but there was an outbreak on the ship. But yeah. we did not get it this no, time. No, no, we didn't. Like, no, we and didn't. we were, you know, it's funny because like I wasn't afraid, and I thought, well, I don't care if I get COVID. I'm having a good time. But, um, but it was. Just shocking that out of the six of us, nobody got sick. Mm. So, mm. you know, I mean, maybe we have good immunity or. Uh. All right. Uh, let's see. Why am I laughing at this? Sal salty method says, I don't know what I'm laughing at. So you can help me with that. Uh, recommending the vaccine. Okay, so, oh, so I was still recommending the vaccine two months ago. I still recommend the vaccine for everybody over 65. All my patients over 65 are boosted, vaccinated, double bivalent boosted they, they get it all and it's clear to me it's helping them lots of covid amongst my patients too packs of it has worked like okay. crazy for my patients i have to tell you about salty methods okay salty i don't think salty methods is salty methods all the time okay. on rumble because we have a joker out there that Somebody likes to portray themselves yeah. as people on on rumble so mm -hmm. that's why i'm not on there today because i don't want weird things coming out of my my voice right. on rumble on, right. um but i don't know he salty and um who was the other one that was getting it the other day i can't the remember the point is that this so this guy takes over people's um yeah we monikers. have a, we have an imposter yeah and they and says horrible things and pretends to be them so uh okay uh, so as I, I was saying uh, go ahead Yep. Uh, if I can just like ask a couple questions about the China part of this, because that's I've been yes, watching right that ahead. while you've been out of town. So first, do yeah. you think that any of this data is accurate at all if it's China reporting it? Because it doesn't make any sense to me that the line is so low in early 2020 and then just starts peaking over here. 
Like, do you do you think that the data, the rest of it, isn't quite accurate? I yeah, I think the early data was probably not that accurate. I suspect that's true. And so, I also, look, we all know. Think about this kind of look. See how much better a job we're doing at testing and right. educating people who needs testing and that kind of thing. We're, we're picking things up much better now, and I think that's them them as well. The other thing that I now, have read why is, they had nothing, why they had nothing all that time is kind of odd too. So I'm right. guessing there was something kind of cruising along there. They just weren't picking it up. Remember, was, Omicron can be very mild. Right. But I, I was looking at this. Really? So if, if you look at these charts, I actually don't have that to pull up. But if you look at this exact same chart and you compare the people infected with COVID versus COVID deaths, you can see that the deaths are so, so much lower during this peak than it was before, even if, if you can trust right. the data that's coming out of China. But I was looking at this that's in the right. context of all of the protests and the riots that are going on around the Apple factories in China right now and how the information mm -hmm. that's getting out of there, get coming out of the country seems to show that they're not only mad and upset about some issues with their paychecks, but also with the lockdowns. The whole culture seems tired yes. of the lockdowns there. Yes. And I had read something interesting yeah. that seemed to show that China is possibly afraid of enormous outbreaks and a crisis situation from COVID when most of the world has, you know, somewhat moved beyond yeah, that correct because their vaccine that was developed in china does not have anywhere near the efficacy of the vaccines anywhere else but right. china so can't so purchase step back it out, and let's out look, of their country right that's right and and unfortunately they haven't they could bring the covaxin in from india but they're not doing that for some reason but but let's say let's look back at what our country did so our country took aggressive measures with the notion that once we get to the vaccine, we'll be able to lighten up and everything, everything will go back to normal. Now, the vaccine it was not as efficacious as we thought it was initially, but we did do a good job of getting to a vaccine. We did it. We did what we wanted to do. And see, when, when people are vilifying the vaccine, the, the, the real sort of discussion needs to happen is how much added risk were they willing to take in the deployment of this vaccine relative to any other vaccine. It's obvious they were willing to take a lot more risk. I'm sure somebody somewhere quantified it. I would like to know what that quantification was. Where where was the conversation when they decided, you know what, normally we allow, you know, six deaths per 10 million or something for a vaccine. I, I don't know what the data is. But for this one, we gotta we gotta get out of this mess. We're going to accept much higher complication rates than we ever would, and my my I, what I wonder is, in doing so, have they stay wedded to that notion when it's now clearer that that risk may not be warranted or worth taking for younger people and younger males in particular, right. and why they aren't adjusting course. Why aren't they adjusting course? So, so again, back to the lockdown. Their lockdown looks less draconian compared to China, where there's literally no end in sight. So it looks somewhat more rational here, even though it was not effective. It was deployed in in incompetent ways, and it was just not not a great idea. It was really not well done. It should have been much more, really, the way the Great Barrington Declaration suggested it, where you're looking at focus focus protection of the really the people at risk. But okay, so they did it. Why again? They're not sort of reevaluating. It is is hard for me to understand. But go ahead. Right, what that other was question you have, Caleb? that was my 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 last follow up question. There is, do you think mm -hmm. that 
let's say they all came out right now. It's Dr. Fauci came out and the pharma companies came out and all of them. And they said they were just straight up and honest. And they said, look, we didn't know what was going on here. We know that there's things that are going wrong. This vaccine has an efficacy of 60%. We were billing it at 90 something, but we, we weren't fully honest. Do you think it would actually make a change with the people where they would calm down and say, all right, well, now yes. you're being a little bit more honest with us with numbers that are not yes. good sales figures for you. Do you think people would, would so, get so, more trust? So let me just, let me even adjust honest. it. Let me just... Let me just even adjust a little further. We did think it was 90% plus effective at first. It was only with time that we learned it wasn't that way with deployment and use. But the, so the point is, the, but your question is, why aren't they more transparent and honest? And you and I, you and I both have taken the policy, and that's why we're interviewing people that have sort of opinions that may not be mainstream or may not be accurate. We want to hear what they have to say. We we both you and I believe that absolute freedom of the expression is the way to th- get through this and to hide it from people is is going to continue to create really serious problems so that Absolutely. so you know my my approach is i got none to hide i'm completely where i was wrong i was wrong where my opinion has been adjusted i will happily tell you and how i'm using the vaccine now i've no problem talking about and the packs of it which i also use i've got feelings about all this that may or may not be exactly accurate but i'm more than happy to share these things so uh let's we got a bunch of requested um callers up here i want to get you guys over at twitter spaces now what we're doing is if you raise your hand at uh, twitter spaces um i will be selecting you and bringing you up and you'll be streaming out on multiple platforms including twitch twitter as we know twitter um facebook what else wherever you can rumble wherever you can see things we tend to put things up there uh <laughs> let's get mike burt what's up susan i don't know you're just like oh, what where are we again <laughs> we're what i seem out of it no you just can't remember all the platforms we're on yeah yeah we're, okay. everywhere. we're on so many we're, we're like know. god we're everywhere it's, it's everywhere it's like a, it's like a broadcast that's not that's a that's a narrow cast <laughs> uh mike burt you're gonna unmute your mic in the lower left hand corner Hey, mommy. Hey, mommy. What's up? Hey, uh, I'm I'm, I'm getting frustrated because every time I I listen to anything about Fauci not knowing anything, I'm looking at a Yahoo article right now. Mm -hmm. In October 2020, October 26, Fauci said early COVID-19 vaccines will only prevent symptoms, not block the virus. He was being honest to begin with, and he changed his tune somewhere along the line. Is he is he now saying it will prevent infection? No, no, no. In 2020, before the election, I remember that he was saying, "Yeah, I'm looking at it right now." And no, he online, said that, so but making... nobody heard it because the news stations were all just saying, "Oh, you got to get the vaccine because it's going to prevent COVID." Like he said, "Yeah, it. exactly." In February, it changed 180 degrees, and I don't know what happened, but it went squirrely then. But I have a question, Doctor Drew. Yeah, buddy. Um, I'm I'm Canadian. I am vax free and I have a business trip in January, but America still won't let non-citizens in. Mm. They're over like flying through the air, but some people squeak, squeak through over the border, yeah. right? Because yeah. they sometimes ask, can we get people on board like talking about this? Because I'm trying to get Scott Adams and his group to talk about it. I'm trying to get Surtovich to talk about it. I'm trying to get everybody to start talking about like letting people in because their 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 nonsense isn't working and they know it. 
but it's hurting people that are trying to get in. It's just like, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to make a living. Yeah. I already lost a job because of this. I don't want to lose this one, but I got to make, I got to do business in the States. Susan, Can we start talking about opening sucks. these borders. Yeah, I, I agree. Susan, what did, what did we, I, you know, we got no hassle from these other countries. Where, where, American they, citizens could come in. Without, but, without yeah, the vaccine. Yeah, but I think we've already uploaded our vaccine card on every airline we've I ever see, flown on. I see. I, yeah. I mean, they weren't asking for it on the outbound, were they? Did we have to share our vaccine well, card? Well, American citizens don't really have to do anything, but yeah. people coming into the States that aren't citizens is a big issue. It's so ridiculous. I know. Like, I think so. I, I don't know. If, it's not really a thing in American consciousness because Scott Adams wasn't even aware of this, that non-citizens can't come in right now if they're not vaccinated. It makes no sense, right? Because the idea is, well, you can't come in because you could be infectious. But guess what? Vaccinated, unvaccinated makes no difference. Makes no difference. That's exactly it. So, yeah. I mean, I just want to get down to the consciousness and try to get people talking about it because... It, it well, it directly affects me right now, but let's yeah. face it. Seems like it's, it's opening up a too, right? little bit more. It's starting to loosen up, so keep checking. Yeah, it, it let when we were leaving for Europe, we, it was unclear what we were going to have to do. That that maybe I had for some to get a reason booster. Canada's behind, but no, it's know. U.S. And so all of a sudden, no, the states the, is behind. Yeah, I agree with you. But Canada, tyrannical, tyrannical Canada, Trudeau abandoned all that months ago. Yeah, but but, but, reason, that, still on but what I want to say is that the many countries were still requiring boosters a month ago, in addition to the initial vaccine series. And so when we oh, went, yeah. when we were traveling, I was like, oh crap, okay, I, so I don't want to get a booster. Because I'm a travel agent, and I've been reading a lot about the entrance requirements. Check and see if you can just get a. a a COVID test to get on the plane that if is you another, are unvaccinated. That is another way around a lot of this, is you get yeah. tested, you get a whole bunch of, you just get regular testing. You just get, no, you just get a COVID test before you get on the plane, and then when you have to, when you go back, you're probably fine. So double check with the airlines. Yeah, different airlines have different rules, but I think like United and, and American and stuff like that, like don't use a Canadian Air or whatever. Thanks, Mike. Uh, what we're going to do is keep taking calls here. If many of you have your hands up, I will get to all you guys. We're going to take a little break and be right back. I have some pretty exciting news. Our favorite skincare brand, Genucel, is having a holiday preview sale. It just went live for all the products that Susan and I love. Genucel's Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer soaks right into my skin instantly. And with its immediate effects, you can see the fine lines and wrinkles disappearing within 12 hours. And Susan loves, of course, the Genucel Vitamin C Serum infused with the purest vitamin C that absorbs to the deepest layers of the skin because of their proprietary skincare technology. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time, and I'm so excited because it's actually working. And for a limited time, take advantage of the Genucel Holiday Preview Sale and save up to 60% off our favorite Genucel products. 60% off. Treat yourself this holiday season. Go to genucel.com slash drew. That's genucel.com slash drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash drew. My guest is Philip Patrick. He is a precious metal specialist, trains at University of Redlands. He has spent years as a wealth manager at Citigroup, and his current position is with Birch Gold Group. So gold has always been uh, somewhat of a safe haven, particularly in times of great turmoil. 
much like our present moment, I imagine. Gold has always traditionally been a safe haven asset. Gold specifically has, has always been about wealth preservation, right? Gold has always held its buying power. You can look at as far back as you'd like in history. In biblical times, one ounce of gold would buy somebody 400 loaves of bread. And today it does the same thing. So it's a store of value. But I would say in times like this, as you mentioned, it's particularly important when you're dealing with things like 40-year high inflation, uh, you know, the air that's coming out of a stock market bubble. These times in particular tend to drive gold and silver up quite significantly. If things are different, the solution needs to be different as well. So I encourage everyone to get informed. And we have a lot of good information here to help your listeners. Just a reminder, I am not a financial advisor and I do not give out financial advice nor investing advice. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out now. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew and secure your future with gold. Do it now. Susan, there. That is literally on a building uh, in Los Angeles. We I'm in go. LA. Yeah, maybe we'll go. That Susan said all the homeless that. are waving at you. That's what she said. <laughs> that's what she said. We'll go. We'll, you and I'll run by that next week. See if, see if that's still yeah, that's there. very cool. But anyways, I got some new Genucel products. I want to tell you, I mm. they sent a probiotic cream, and I put it on, and I love it. Okay, it just smooths on, and also the eyelash uh, enhancer. Oh yeah, I'm gonna use that. There you my, on my eyebrows too. You mentioned you like that, but I'm using all the other stuff up. So that stuff's good. The hyaluronic acid's really amazing, and also the my favorite, the vitamin C. Yeah, you were using that all yeah, through your serum. List, right? Oh yeah, that stuff is awesome. So check it out. All right, thank you for that, Susan. And uh, let's get Nico in here. Nico wants to ask a question again. Raise your hand if you want to talk. We'll just come right to you. And you'll be out on multiple streaming platforms if you come on up. And you have to unmute your mic in the lower left-hand corner. There you are. Hey, Nico, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. Yeah, first, let me just uh, say thanks to you, Caleb, and Susan for um, kind of protecting our uh, civil discourse on on this topic. Uh, Trying. It's kind of sort of strange that we lost that. But um, I wanted to bring something up. I'm not sure if you guys have touched on this already. I was just reading about uh, this G20 global uh, leader declaration mm -hmm. that is referring to a need for a uh, global uh, digital health certificate. Uh, sounds an awful lot like a, mm. a, a global vaccine passport. Um, sounds a bit uh, unbelievable, but uh, you can just look this up uh, online and read the uh, on the White House's uh, website. Uh, the, the letter is listed there. And of course, some some news outlets are covering it. Epoch Times, I think, had an article on it. But um, you know, none of the mainstream publications have really been reporting on it. It seems like something, you know, we should be talking about. It's, what, it, what, uh, is it? what is it? So it's basically just a letter uh, that was signed by, um, you know, a bunch of important uh, global leaders in the G20, including Biden. Um, and uh, the... Uh-oh, lost you. I hope that's a coincidence and not somebody from the, from the G20 jumping in. There you yeah. are, you're back. So we lost you for a second. Oh, great. Yeah, so so the letter is just recommending a handful of things uh, when it comes to the environment and uh, you know a global health. Um, but one of the things it mentions is is the need for a WHO standardized um, global digital health uh, passport. Now, um, is that is that believe. now? Hang on, is that so people have an electronic medical record they can move around with, or is that so, or is that some sort of passport? Uh, yeah, so from my understanding, and I'm trying to still look into this myself, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, but my understanding is that 
it would essentially be a, a digital health record, as you mentioned, um, but it would be necessary to travel internationally. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's been said what sort of requirements your digital record would, would need to have, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I just think it's something that, you know, people should be talking about more and uh, certainly, you know, uh, sh should be something that journalists are reporting on. And it doesn't, when I put it in the sort of Google search, nothing comes up. Uh, yeah. So if you look up, um, it, I, I, I'm totally with you. It's, it's bizarrely hard to find, but hmm. G20 Bali leaders declaration and there's a White House website. Um, it's the White House's whitehouse.gov, their website, that actually lists the entire it letter. It can be read there. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, for some reason, no um, you know, outlets seem to be reporting on it except a handful like Epoch Times and maybe one or two others. But none of the mainstream outlets are really talking about this, which you know seems concerning. Uh, I'm just, hoping this is just rhetorical nonsense. nonsense. You know yes. what I mean? Like just Hopefully. Yeah. It looks like a lot of fluff, like a lot of time and energy was spent sending people to Bali to create a big fluffy document. Right, right. Yeah, I'd recommend people take a look at it. And there's also a uh, video of the chairman of the G20 that was uh, from Bali, Indonesia, that was uh, basically hosting this G20 summit. Yeah. And he, he also talks um, about the need for this digital health certificate. Well, they're also talking about, they're also talking about here a... Uh, universal health coverage which you know pretty crazy interesting yeah wasn't even aware of that yeah yeah well yeah i appreciate you whoop time doctor just was wondering if you'd heard of that but uh, i'll definitely stay keyed in here and keep up the great work i appreciate it thank you my friend and i will uh look for that uh caleb i love uh, the the rooster crowing in the background <laughs> i don't like the reverb but well caleb it, it, my phone is normal everything is good it's just, yeah i think yeah, it was, was on his end because yeah. he was okay it might have been on his end because it just kept replaying it yeah <laughs> the, crow, so. the crowing was funny but <laughs> yeah if you go, if you go to the g20 what did i anyway it, it g20 declaration uh ollie it does come right up all right let's keep going here see what you guys want to talk about what else going on uh, oh, uh, somebody did said something on the restream. I wanted to quote. Oh, somebody said uh, for, they advise. We're advising Susan. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name over here. That I should go get my heart evaluated. Susan, I think she's worried that because I had the vaccine and because I had a weird vaccine reaction, that sure. that I might have a, a cardiac uh, risk. Um, I had massive cardiac evaluations, way above sort of the routine screening procedures that we do medically for people for to screen out cardiac disease as uh, a sort of threshold testing I needed to get through to go to the Wadi Rum Desert to oh, do yeah. the, yeah, to do the we'll special show a clip of that at the end, the so special forces TV show, which was all kinds of cardiac stuff and went through that just fine. No problem. With yeah. That. I mean, some people are affected by it and some people aren't. I mean, it doesn't mean that you won't be. I well, know. I, this is the thing about, I'm, I've been you thinking had the one Janssen and Janssen, which, you know, yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about the vaccine. I, I, we, we need to know the numbers. We need to know, is it just a really a trivial, sad, but trivial number of people that have very serious adverse events or is it some larger number? Oh, there's my adverse event. I got a spontaneous raccoon eye on the left. 
which is the presenting sign of the consumptive coagulopathy that we saw, we've seen and heard about from the Janssen and, uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It's actually the presenting sign of a clot in the skull called the transverse sinus, and raccoon's eyes can be that presenting manifestation. So there we are, uh, and I went on without any further neurological symptoms, and I felt terrible, but presumably no serious complications. There have been, I've been seeing a lot of, I've been seeing a lot of supraventricular arrhythmias. I've been seeing a lot of strokes in young people. I've been seeing, mm, those are the main thing. You know, we're seeing all these sudden death reports, but sudden death has always been around. The question is, is that some sort of uh, confirmation bias that, you know, now we're having it fed to us by social media. Are we feeling like we're seeing more of something that has always been incidental, but now it feels like it's more common? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, this is Chabria. Get him in here. Hey there. Jabria? Hello. Hi. Hey, uh, this is Shavan. How are you? Hey, good. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I've been listening very um, intently, and I, I, I think you make some fantastic points. And I, um, I just want to make a, a few more that I'm, I'm not sure you did. So, Please. go ahead. Uh, um, you said something interesting about, uh, you know, having uh, only infectious diseases being, you know, uh, responsible for a lot of deaths and how everybody's kind of focused on a lot of infectious diseases, but there's so many other diseases that cause a lot of deaths. And, you know, the, the one thing I always kind of uh, think about is that, you know, if you had uh, an epidemic or a pandemic of UTI, you'd have, you know, a, a lot of people die because you know it's it's basically a disease that's spreading through the most vulnerable population, mm -hmm. the 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 oldest individuals. So you know, uh, sure, it's some of this is you know the 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 ACE receptor and a respiratory tract, but you know, I it, any organ system that uh, that that was responsible for an infection in the right population of the right vulnerable population could give you the same numbers because yes. I always, I, sure. I, I always wonder how much of this is specific to a respiratory virus. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if that point was raised and the, the, uh, the other point I wanted to raise was, you know, uh, the human genome, depending on what study you look at is 30 to 80% viruses, uh, mm -hmm. kind of highlighting that, you know, we, we are all basically a compendium of viruses mm -hmm. and virus viruses predated us. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be here long after we, we, we are gone. Mm -hmm. Um, the next point I wanted to make was, you know, uh, the, the rise of RSV and influenza, mm. I think, I think really is a function of declining humoral immunity in the context of people being indoors. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing this in children and the fact that you're seeing even more severe respiratory illnesses in, in a population that, you know, anybody who's had a child's children are falling sick every year. Mm -hmm. And I've seen patients who haven't been sick for a couple of years. And then, you know, when, the, when they do get infected with an upper respiratory tract infection, it's pretty severe because the immune system has no antigen recognition. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and a, a couple of more points. Wait, before you do, There's, before, before you do, let me just, let's just sort of zero in on some of these things. So people, the, the one, um, sort of wrinkle I want to add to what you're saying with RSV and influenza is people are saying that, well, look how lockdowns work to reduce RSV and influenza and masking work to reduce RSV and influenza. 
That is not the that is not necessarily true. It might be true. It's not necessarily true. There is a growing set, uh, I should say, uh, consensus that there is such a thing as viral ecology, in the sense that when one virus takes over, it's literally like the lions coming in and pushing out the the leopards or the or the uh, hyenas. Yes. That it just literally pushes it out of the ecology of the system. So the the lockdowns and the masks may have not been the reason we had to reduce RSV. It may have been COVID itself. Yes, and and the, the phenomenon is described as biologic interference. Yep. We don't fully Correct. understand why. Correct. But there is there is a phenomenon. And there's a lot of interesting theories that have not yet been clearly elucidated, but you're absolutely right. But that what that also did was it decreased our innate immune system's yep. antigen recognition. Yep. And in children, this is a bigger problem than in adults because absolutely. we have mem memory B cells and children are just, they need to develop this. They don't have it. That's right. And, um, and a few more points. So there's Please. a video. There's a video from Fauci in uh, 2020 somewhere where he's talking to Mark Zuckerberg, where he actually talks about the possibility of antibody-dependent enhancement. Every now and then you can Google it and it'll come up, but it's yeah. fascinating how uh, he, he did recognize that. And if you remember, there used to be a measles vaccine before this one. I think it was the measles vaccine that actually caused that phenomenon. So everybody yes. in the field of infectious diseases is actually acutely aware that you can have actual neutralization, but you can also have facilitating antibodies. That's not a phenomenon that has been well studied with COVID. There's lots of people saying one thing versus the other, and I think that's another that's another key. And, and, to, and to pile on that, we now presently have more deaths in vaccinated COVID patients than unvaccinated. Absolutely. So that's a, yeah. a bit of evidence that, hmm, something might be going on there. Uh, so again, that, we, don't, we don't know these things, but they've got to be raised. They have to be discussed. They have to be researched. The fact precise. that it's not even brought up is just so, don't you find that bizarre? It's not only bizarre, but this has long-term implications in a population that you're vaccinating into oblivion. Mm. And, you know, there's mm -hmm. original antigenic sin, there's antibody dependent enhancement, all of these phenomena, we are, if we are to understand what the implications of doing something like this is, mm -hmm. we also ought to understand what the short term and long term implications are going to be, okay. because every everything comes down to, you know, we've done a lot of unprecedented things. Yes. And as, as you know, everything in life is a dose into time response. So you're not going to see the effects of what we've done until many years from now. Possibly. Right? Some Possibly. of this we yep. see and some of this we, we don't fully understand. Yep. So I think, you know, that's that stuff nobody's really talking about. Yeah, and I agree. This should, not, this should not be taboo. We yeah. all should be able to speak this without fear of someone saying, oh, you know, you, you're an anti-vaxxer. That's not true. No. Well, help me with we, this. I, I really, I'm always trying to understand the other side. I always, because I, I you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, certainty in medicine is a very dangerous thing. And, and hubris is a dangerous thing. And I just want to try to understand people that have differing points of view. Maybe you can help me with this, because this is the most, one of the most bewildering parts for me is, why is this the only vaccine I can think of that doesn't have sort of population or age-specific deployment? Why is it everybody, period, no other questions asked? 
Well, particularly uh, when the risk reward is clearly different in different age groups. Absolutely. I, I, I think what, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. What we did was we, we used a blowtorch approach. And then, we, and then we said, you can't even talk about the little cinders that are burning because, well, you know, it was all for the greater good. And yeah. I, I think you, you referred to this previously, which is if you did risk stratification in medicine, everything is a risk benefit everything. analysis. Right? Everything. Everything. The, uh, the difference between a drug and a toxin is dose. So wh where did we forget this? Where did we forget this? Yeah. Where, how did we go from that to saying, yeah. well, we, a, a 19 year old is the same risk as a 90 year old. It kind of blows my mind Beyond. Uh, that, that we, we went to that point. And uh, if you remember uh, Ashish Jha, before he was appointed to, you know, whatever he is right now, he used to be on TV saying stuff like vaccine immunity and vaccine antibodies are superior to natural infection. And I yep. watched that and I would be like, did this is this it, this is antithetical to everything we've been taught in yep. med school. Like yep. literally, yep. And that can't be possible. And nobody questions these things. Like, do other physicians not watch this and be like, I, that's not even possible? I, right? know, I know. Listen, and and, and I, again, they they run to these extreme positions without any evidence. And then I'm guessing. My guess is that because everything is these huge bureaucratic structures. Once they get there, they can't unwind it. The bureaucracies aren't efficient enough to unwind their position. I right. think something like that. It's all I can figure. It's 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 it's, it's the 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 sunken the, the sunken fallacy, right? We've yeah. gone too far. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep yeah. going, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll two more points, and then I'll shut up. Okay. One is that Please. remember remember that the uh, the spike protein yep. is also your virulence factor. Does does anybody? Does does it occur to anybody in and out of medicine that if we are so worried about the virus because of spike protein being a virulence factor, why aren't we worried about giving people a spike protein to prevent them from getting a spike protein that doesn't prevent them from getting the spike protein? Right, right. Like, it, yeah. I, 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 what am I missing? Here? Yeah, me too. Logic, yeah. the logic, like what? <laughs> like, huh? Right. Yes, I'm with and, you. And, and, and the last point I'll make is you said something about myocarditis and you said, you know, it's, it's, we don't know if it's like a few unfortunate individuals mm -hmm. or if there's a greater, if there's a greater pattern. And there's another complex layer to this, which is in medicine, everything, you know, in addition to being a risk benefit is also the tip of the iceberg phenomenon. Awesome. What is, what is manifest in medicine is often that tiny portion of what is below the water. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always wonder like if you are seeing clinically manifest myocarditis, you're seeing it only in an age group in which individuals are prone to exertion, right? Yes, but, yes. You know? yeah. So are we missing a lot of individuals that are not undertaking a lot of physical and strenuous exertion and thereby we think it's not that much because we are not doing routine EKGs. Yeah. We're not doing routine myocardial right. MRI. That's so right. Who knows? So however, that, that is one area where I have a little bit of uh, optimism they're now starting to find certain markers for myocarditis, humoral markers, that uh, they're going to use more on a more widespread basis. And we might see a lot more subclinical myocarditis as a result. And it might be well outside of the age group that we're all worried about as well. Yes, yes. In fact, there's, there's a couple of studies looking at troponins. Yeah. And turns out that if you know uh, you do see troponin leaks, what we always classify as non-ischemic leaks, and I, I'm very excited to 
to see some of that yeah. be translated into meaningful clinical evidence and what it means in yeah. the long term. Yep. I appreciate your call so much, and thank you for being here. Come in anytime. No, thank you. All right, thank so you so much. Is he a doctor? That was good, right? Yes, for sure. Wow. And he's just thinking about stuff. And this is the thing that I, I don't know. I don't understand why there weren't thousands of other physicians like him and I thinking and talking like that a year and a half well, ago. Well, we're afraid of being censored. Or having our licenses taken away. The, and believe me, we, his, you couldn't his, say anything if you have a license. Our thoughts were not that different a year ago. We're, we're now we're saying it a little more clearly. We have a little more confidence. Some of the stuff we're saying, a lot of it is a result of me having interviewed all those outliers, all the people like you know Pierre Corey and right. But Pierre after they started letting us talk about I, it again, I, I understand. I I have a hard time taking myself back to that place a year and a half ago where there was such deep when we were censored concern. every week, like for. You know, yeah, it's really kind reason. of remarkable. It really no, it's I, awful because now doctors are starting to feel like they can open up a little bit. I don't, this hasn't happened to you guys before in your career, Drew, like this level of just censorship and people trying to shut oh my God. down your mouth. This, I, this yeah, is unthink, this is like right. a bizarre, unthinkable, like literally if you, I mean, there's, there, there are, if you told me Moon Man landed in my backyard, that would make more sense to me in the last couple of years. <laughs> it really would. It's like, well, okay, that's possible. But what happened to my profession? How did and that, then also you happened? have a platform right now where like, for example, Kelly Victory can come on and talk about stuff. And she's very happy with the fact that she can do that. But she can't get back on Twitter, you know? Yeah. And it's it's like we're you're giving people an opportunity to speak about what they just couldn't believe was happening either. So mm. it's good that people can call and do this. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, look, I'm feeling and not all doctors are willing to take that risk, but, know? but most of us have been talking and sharing ideas like this gentleman just was. And like, Hmm, what's going on here? Why are we not thinking about this? Like, why, why are kids getting so sick? Like I know that. I, why are kids, kids like, why my are you kids masking five-year-olds and two-year-olds and on, and why are we masking on planes and then taking the mask off to eat? And why are we making people wear a surgical <laughs> mask and not an N95? It's just all of it was so dumb and made no sense. And it was really the really horrible thing. It was antithetical to everything I thought I understood about my profession and my country, which is everything had to be evidence-based. There had to be a risk-reward analysis on every recommendation. And then once you make those recommendations, people are free to do as they please. Well, then they call and you then a And then you quack. don't just do it because I said so. They call you do a quack because, on Twitter. Do you it know? because I said so, which we heard from every public health official in California, certainly, was the most bizarre thing I've, I ever, ever for me. So why we're not fighting quickly and hard to curtail some of that from a legislative standpoint is I know. more than I can tolerate. Stephanie, let's get Stephanie up here and see what she wants to say. So anyway, there we go. Uh, Stephanie, how are you? Hello. Hey doing well. How are you doing? Excellent. Okay, my question is actually regarding my adult daughter. So um, both my adult daughters, actually. But the one that is more severe is my 25-year-old. She mm -hmm. got two doses of the Pfizer. She actually has Crohn's. Mm -hmm. And um, after she got the second dose, um, she went into um, a really significant flare. Mm -hmm. uh, she had it pretty under control, takes a Prezo. Um, and... She had gone to the doctor. They tested her um, blood and her. I want to make sure I'm saying, you'll know if I'm saying the right things mm -hmm. or not. C reactive protein mm -hmm. level mm -hmm. and 
I believe the other three, Dee Dimer, mm-hmm. um, both were extremely elevated. Mm. They told her that it would calm down after a few months, that it was kind of, you know, a typical reaction they were seeing mm. with a lot of the people that were vaccinated. And unfortunately, they never came down. Mm. Um, a little bit, I should say. They came down, but they she's still having episodes. Her flares are still not well controlled. They increased her prezo. She's now maxed out on that and still having trouble. Mm. Has she been on, has she been on other of the the remittive agents? Has she been on Humira? Um, We're just talking about starting that and doing an infusion. She just had um, her colonoscopy. In in my experience, whatever, this has been my experience that whatever causes it's Crohn's, right? She had her Crohn's or also clay. But when a Crohn's flare gets going and, and goes for a while, been I, again i'm no expert in the inflammatory bowel disease but i've just noticed oftentimes a change in the in the remittive agent is very very helpful and you know it's odd to me that here here are her doctors saying well people with inflammatory bowel disease get flares after the vaccine and that's not being reported anywhere i've not read that anywhere why aren't we that's reporting exactly, that well it's funny you say that because right after that so the one was saying the one doctor she has um her regular doctor then her gi doctor um, and so they were kind of doing some conflicting. One of them is saying that they are hearing or reading some, you know, people with vaccine that are mm-hmm. having these. And then the other one's like, nope, absolutely no way. The vaccine mm-hmm. has nothing to do with this. All right. Well, you know, well it's something to do with it. Tending to believe their side. My mm-hmm. daughter's um, very, you know, pro-vaccine. She, she okay. refuses to see that that could have had any even though it coincidentally happened, you okay. know, within a week. Of All right. Well, she might as well, you know, not look at that. It'd be, be very painful to have to embrace it. Crohn's is nasty. Yeah. Yes. Caleb, yes. did you have anything? Yes. Did you get flared at all? No, I actually, I didn't get any flare. I, but that was also in all in the same year that I had been in the hospital three or four times, but that was all before I had mm-hmm. it. I didn't have any flares or any mm-hmm. problems. And in fact, my, my Crohn's have, They've it the, all the Crohn's have been pretty pretty okay since 2020. How about, how about your inflammatory markers like D dimer and CRP? Do you, oh, do you way have down. those things measured regularly? Way down. But I'm I'm a yeah, tough I, case. I, what I worry about, Stephanie, because, my my numbers you don't have like, markers. Well, no, because the la, like yeah. the numbers before I did the vaccine were right before I went into the hospital. And so it was like 90 mm. times what it was supposed to be way off the chart. And now it's like, mm-hmm. it's down to a normal level because I'm on something uh, called Simsia, which is kind of similar to. I just you know, worry about the D dimer because it's also up in clots and other sort of things that we do see from the vaccine, both the CRP and the D dimer. So I, I just, I, she's far enough out now that it should be fine. But I, I just, you know, this vaccine is, no, it's, you know, it's not. <laughs> it's not a one size fits all. You You're know? right. That's it's, the problem. We should be very careful. Some with people these should get it. Some people shouldn't. Well, yes, I know. I'm glad I actually avoided it because I have mul- multiple health issues also. I actually have um, fairly rare Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. Oh. Uh, CMT, and then I also have um, acute uh, hepatic porphyria. Oh my God! Under, so I know I'm afraid that my parents no procreating. So it's so, a very rare blood disorder. Yeah, porphyria is, is a, a problem with the breakdown products of hemoglobin. Essentially, there's acute intermittent porphyria. There's, you know, there's a there's actually a skin manifestation of porphyria, and there's hepatic por- porphyria, and then the Charcot Marie tooth is a neuropathy that's pretty rare in a relatively young person. But you know, the, the, Stephanie, the the again the risk reward analysis for you is. 
you also could benefit from the vaccine. Uh, we do believe that there is, you know, people that have chronic illnesses, people who are older, are getting some cellular immunity against the virus, and so there's there'd be an argument to give it to you as well. I, I'm I'm not saying you should take it. I'm saying <laughs> no, that this was is exactly a, my doctor said the same, yeah. and she actually finally my last appointment a couple months ago, she actually thanked me for not getting it because she said she's terrified for what would happen to me. Well, okay. well, again, this, but this is, yeah. that's, but this is, this is, she's but practicing I'm a very rare bird. She's practicing my, my good family. medicine. She's making careful decisions for a given individual with a given set of disorders. It very, it's a tough call as, as Stephanie was, and I was mentioning it's, you know, she could benefit from it because she's got all these things, but she's not, she's not, you know, she doesn't have emphysema and she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't have things that really, if she got a bad COVID could send her down the shitter really quickly. And if her your neuropathy gets worse or her porphyria gets activated, I mean, that those can be life-threatening problems or life-changing problems at very least. All right. So we're still going here. Uh, this is Christy. I'm going to get her up here. Thank you for all these great questions. Uh, Christy, go ahead. Oh, hi, Dr. Drew. Hey um, hi, yeah, I had a bit of a um, question um, about the spike proteins mm -hmm. that was talked about a couple speakers ago. Yes. Um, yeah, so in the kind of vaccine critical community, um, I'm trying to rebrand anti-vax. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's it. It's pro-choice. <laughs> pro-choice, there you go. Pro-choice, um, I like yeah, that. Pro-choice. So, um, yeah, so in the kind of, you know, vaccine critical pro-choice community, um, a lot of people were really worried about vaccine shedding, mm -hmm. um, you know, from the vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, and it became this really kind of interesting dichotomy because, well, you had to have a vax card to go to places. And a lot of the impetus for, you know, people getting the vaccine was to protect other people. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like maybe it's quite the opposite um and so it's I, at least not the if not the opposite at least is not helping <laughs> right and so but i don't know i just kind of thought well that's rude like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play the same game mm. right like i'm not gonna be like oh you're vax mm -hmm. stay away from me mm -hmm. but um when i was on the east coast um i was selling posters on college campuses and so i was around you know, in a high concentrate uh, concentration mm -hmm. um, of vaccinated people, um, it completely threw off my menstrual cycle. Um, so I was just like, I'm, I'm very, very regular. Um, I don't take any birth control. I don't do alter my hormones. I'm a total naturalist, 100 percent. And all of a sudden I start spotting randomly. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, have you heard of that happening to anybody I, before? I, I have, uh, Naomi Wolf documented a bunch of, uh, effects on the menstrual system, but the menstrual system could we affect. did a show on it with yeah, her. Yeah. We talked about it. Hmm. My, my point was it can be affected by anything. It's so common. Even people that are right. just like doctors regular. doctors will say that, but. Yeah, it was just anything can affect. Even being around a bunch of young people, you could start to, your body's starting to time with them just being around all that. So it's. There's, there's all kinds of things that can affect that. And I just don't see how a spike protein is infectious. I don't see mm -hmm. how that's possible. It's not a virus. It's a protein. And the only proteins that have any infectivity that I'm aware of are prions. And this doesn't have those I mean, properties. they haven't done enough research on it. It could have, it could have happened. You know, we're not saying that 
you're wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, oh, doctors yeah, I, are very I careful. About I just it. thought it was kind of trippy. I was just like, whoa, maybe it, maybe there, cause I just kind of dismissed it a little bit or I didn't really, yeah, I, 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 didn't, could, I don't really understand the science of it. And I thought, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. I'd stay in the, I don't know camp. Cause there's, there's a million other things that can create mental irregularities. I just, just right. being on the road, being on a plane, changing time zones, changing your dietary pattern. I mean, this all can, can affect that. And I, well, and I know you're normally very, very regular, but even very regular people can, be tossed up even just by being around a bunch of other young women you can start to all how about wearing a mask <laughs> wearing a mask i don't know <laughs> let's blame it on the mask all right let's get josh up here uh thank you christy for the call Fucking masks hey josh um so i want to talk about the interview with tulsi gabbard mm, please and uh you were talking about you know the way to fight back maybe against an over powerful billionaire consortium or whatever and um, and you mentioned that nationalism could be the way out of this. And nationalism is usually associated with like <clears throat> Nazism or something like that. But I think there can be, maybe I was misinterpreting you, but it seems as though there could be a good nationalism that's not based on narcissism. Yeah. That could be what we use for this. Because now we see Elon Musk, he's taken over Twitter. Twitter almost feels like, I mean, who could own Twitter? It seems absurd <laughs> that someone could own something like Twitter. So yeah. it's possible, at least, I think. I mean, well, you know, like I that. agree with you. I, I think that, in fact, nationalism could be kind of a, 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 a respite from narcissism, you know, self service, serving your country. Sir, you know, that's what John Kennedy was urging us all to do, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's nationalism. That's what that is. That's getting in, right. and and, uh, I, and that was just my point was that we've we've turned this phenomenon, which has always been thought of as natural in the human condition, that can run amok and has been associated with nasty bad things for sure, but that it is something intrinsic in us. And I think if I remember that conversation, I started talking about Prime Minister Maloney and how she just cracks me up, uh, and but she is accused of all kinds of things that I don't see. Maybe I'm missing it. I don't see. Uh, and why there just is this hysteria everywhere. Uh, just, just that conversation I just had with the physician 15 minutes ago should teach people how discourse ought to be. People ought to get together and just talk about things rather than name calling and narratives and running to yeah. one side of the boat or the other. It just doesn't make any sense. A, a little bit of nationalism might get us together, might get us to sort of understand yeah. the common principles that we're all sharing, what, what we have in common that we want to work It's sort of a to, dirty word. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's sort of a bad word. And yeah. I would just say, it, as long as it's not an extension of one's own narcissism, yeah, then it's yeah. not pathological in a sense, and it won't it won't hurt the out group. It won't become racism and misogyny well, and, and, and all of these other things. I, I agree with you, Josh, and and also be sure that it doesn't again start to create. I don't know what would the what would the um, extreme reactions be that national a militarism, you know, that really that's when nationalism and when 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 you're diminishing other countries or other nationalities or other cultures, there should be equanimity amongst the cultures. And you can, this is what's happened. Like I, I, this is what I was telling Kel, uh, Tulsi, which was that we were in Spain and people were celebrating their culture. They have a terrible history in South America and a terrible history in the slave trade and they know it and they acknowledge it 
and they celebrate their culture. England pulled out of the EU because identity as English was more important to them than the economic benefits of being in the EU, that they consciously undermined their economic benefits because that identity was more important to them, their identity as English person, Englishman, and the culture associated with that and attached to that history, more important than the economic advantages of diluting that to the EU. And now I saw some conversation when we were over in Europe, Scotland is talking about breaking off from the United Kingdom, which is something that's been talked about for many, many years as well, because the Scottish identity is so important. So I do think that people can find meaning in their cultural national identity and they can serve it. And serving is something that people need to really think about because it, it's, again, one of the ways out of the, um, the, the messes we're in here. Uh, what does this say? Now you see many wake up now. They will never be able to do this again to humanity. I don't know, Lily. Um, they're talking about it even now. We hear Dr. Uh, Fauci hedging his bet about if there's a large, uh, the, the, the county health official here in Los Angeles wants to lock us down again. Please don't do it. Let's see. Uh, um, back to the period thing. Mm. Uh, Joan Donegan said, after my husband was vaxxed, I started my period after seven years of chemo. Indu my husband and I, mm -hmm. I guess, were vaxxed. I don't mm -hmm. know if she was. After seven years of chemo-induced menopause, doctor had no explanation. I don't know if it was when her Again, husband to, was vaccinated. But we'd have to, there it is. We, I issue on hormone therapy. We'd have to know a lot of things um, or other medications. But, it, you so. know, weird stuff could happen, I guess. Mm. It would need to be explained. So, well, listen, uh, thank you all. Uh, do hang around for a minute uh, because at the very end here, we're going to show a uh, extended trailer of this thing I did in the Jordanian desert where me and 15 other folks you might recognize uh, trained as special ops recruits and had our asses handed to us. And you get a little sense of it watching this extended uh comes out january 4th comes on out Fox. january 4th but 11 do well, enjoy 11 in LA. can you can you play it first caleb or has to play after everything else i can actually i, I could you want to play it now yeah yeah let's see come back yeah they'll come back they'll come back afterwards back. Right. okay let me let me right, get that i have to change so my enjoy <laughs> i think you'll enjoy, i think two more hours <laughs> i think you'll enjoy us three more hours from tom's no he wants it two more all right here we go let's see right, what we'll this uh buckle up these celebrities will step into our world, a world that's full of shock and pain. I want to test the limits of who I am. Ah. Why are you here? 10 years I was in a really abusive relationship. This is about taking back my own power. Be afraid. This is not an adventure race. Be afraid. No one's coming to save you. You will suffer together. That's the only way through. Stand by me. I have a child. Don't let me down. All of you have what it takes physically to do this. Do you have what it takes mentally? Do you still want to see if you're able to dig down deep? What are you trying to get out of this? Growing up, my sister became worldwide famous. I guess I just want to like, like I'm just like worth something. My idea of this course was about what I could get out of it. Now it's all about what I can give. If you should die, that's nature's way of saying you failed. Oh, you got it coming! Stand by me. 
Them, my friends. Those are people I feel very close to now because we uh, did survive a lot of that. And uh, there'll be more of those little trailers coming. I, I can, um, well, I'll point out this one thing when we first got started uh, where they essentially blow us up. That's how we got into this whole, whole thing. So uh, it was quite an experience. And um, I don't know if you guys saw Danny Amendola on Fox Sports this weekend. He was doing some of the uh the the sort of what, what do they call it when terry bradshaw and the boys are there having the commentary before the game i forget there's a name for that little show and danny was featured on that it was good to see him so these are all my good friends now and we'll bring them in here to talk about the show as it sort of airs in january but uh, we'll keep showing you some of the interesting uh trailers as they come out so we appreciate you guys supporting that and uh we'll be in here tomorrow and i believe it's just more calls tomorrow is that right susan yeah uh yes unless we have a surprise yeah. Guest. Oh, do we have any surprise guests? It, it's possible. Or, are we I, I, out? I realized that someone has been asking to come on the show a bunch, and we might be able to squeeze him in tomorrow oh. as a surprise. So we'll see. All right. That'd be, that'd be great. And then on Friday with uh, Dr. Kelly Victory, we have Dr. Ryan Cole. And uh, it, that, of course, Wednesday. will be another of our usual lively shows. That's on Wednesday. I'm sorry. So tomorrow, maybe a guest, maybe calls. Wednesday, definitely the usual Kelly Victory show. And uh, until then, I'll see you tomorrow at 3. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800 273 8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com slash help. Yeah.